0: Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle's Kitchen has been a strong supporter of UCSB baseball over the last handful of years, so please go in and support your local Kyle's Kitchen restaurant. Also, Silvergreens, go check out Silvergreens. They got great eats at Kyle's Kitchen and Silvergreens. Okay, we'll jump right into it. Today's guest is Ryan Spilborgs. He's joined by Bob Bronsma, Spilly a great gaucho. He's currently in broadcasting, and he's got a lot to say. And uh, what I want to say about this podcast leading up to it is uh, this is a very sentimental and reflective pod. Uh, Spilly is one of a kind. He loves the game. He loves the community in Denver and in Santa Barbara, and uh, we get into a lot of good stuff, Santa Barbara baseball history in particular, paying it forward, investing in someone else, taking time and investing it in someone else. We talk about what should be on the back. Of baseball cards, being a fan at the College World Series, and we get into a little broadcasting, including a bit about Vin Scully. So this one was really fun. Ryan Swilborg's uh, absolute pleasure to have him on. So uh, here we go.
1: It's one of the most
2: beautiful
0: views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts it to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning, and Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha! Can you believe it? There's the 0-2 pitch, and a curveball is swung on him in. In the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score, and the Gauchos are the 2019 champions! All right, on today's Gaucha Nine podcast, we have two guests. The first one is our first, third time guest, former head coach Bob Bronsma. Bob, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Kevin. Once again. And our next guest, a distinguished guest, he was born and raised in Santa Barbara. He went to Santa Barbara High, Go Dons. He played with the Gauchos from 2000 and 2002 in his career. 348 average he had 15 homers drove in 102 runs he walked more times than he struck out he had 63 walks 60ks 60 he was a member of the 2001 regional he was a first team all big west in 2001 honorable mention in 2002 and he was either tied for sixth or seventh in single season home runs in 02 with 13 or 14 homers we'll get to the bottom of that in a second and he set a school record with a 35 game hitting streak in 2001. In 2002, he was a seventh-round pick by the Colorado Rockies. He made his debut in Colorado in July of 2005. He played seven years in the mountains. 619 career games, 272 average as a utility outfielder. He was a participant in the 2007 World Series, and he's the current color commentator for the Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet. Rocky Mountains, please welcome to the Gaucho 9 pod, Ryan Spilborgs.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, you forgot to mention, and for, for a bit of time, I, I actually held on to this this stat, like, with more pride than I did with the hitting streak. And it was – I said uh, – and Bronson, remember this. It was – Sacrifice Bunts. Sacrifice Bunts. No way. In How did I not find that? Because it, it was broken.
2: It got broke – I think Brian Gump broke it. Oh. You know, five years, six years later
1: or something like that. Which, which to me – so – like Bronson and I can have this argument, side argument. I wear it as uh, as a badge of honor. Like we're talking. There's and, and if you there's so many things about in the next like however much time we have. This is great. This is like therapy for me. Um, when I think about the sacrifice bunt, I look at it. Many people now in, in like baseball circles, they look at it with disdain. You know, like it's an out. Why are you giving away an out? If you look at like run matrixes, which is something that like advanced analytics has created, right? Tom Tango, um, who's known like in analytics circles, he's the, he's the guy. He's like one of the godfathers of this run matrix. He's basically looked at all these different scenarios where somebody's on base. There's about 27 different scenarios, and it's, it's based on outs. It's based on who's on base. You know, it's like nobody out, somebody on first. Nobody out, somebody on second. What's the chance that they score? There's all these different, right, metrics in and, and ways to look at the game. And people have looked at the the sacrifice bunt as something that was antiquated, something stupid, right? Like it's, it's, it's a bad idea to give away an out. You have 27 outs in a nine inning game. Why would you give away an out? Why would you ask your three hole hitter, the best hitter on your team, to bunt when you have first and second, nobody out? Why would you ask your two-hole hitter who might be really good? You know, a two-hole hitter in baseball now is, is a guy that – that's where Mike Trout hits. That's where your best player hits, all right? 2001, I hit second. I either hit second if it was a lefty starter or I hit ninth. Why would I bunt? When You know, why would I bunt if I'm the two-hole hitter? That makes no sense back in the day or over now, right? People are going to argue it's a, it's a stupid play. And I would make this argument, and I still do, because I don't look at it as an antiquated rule. I don't look at it as an antiquated, like, way of, of playing the game. I look at it as being, as taking an advantage. Uh, and Bronze will tell you this. In 2001, the guy hitting in front of me, his name was Skip Schumacher. That was the last time, I think, if I'm, if I, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was the last Gaucho to hit over 400. Correct? That's so guy, okay, so, so Skip was getting on base over 400% of the time because he would take a walk. So when the game is starting, and if you look at baseball stats, okay, there's a stat that no matter what we what – I, I can look at year-to-year. Year. I can look at college baseball. I can look at Little League. I can look at Major League Baseball. I can look at Mexican League. I, you name a league, I can look at it, and I'm going to tell you there's one stat that rings true across the board. And you know what that stat is? The team that scores first wins about 70% of the time. Think about that. It's the one stat – if you were to look across the board, if I said to you, I'll give you a 70% chance of winning a ballgame if you score first. But you're going to have to bunch your two-hole hitter. <laughs> or you're going to have to give up and out. You're going to have to sacrifice. Are you willing to do that? Or are you going to say, "Nah, I'm going to let my guys bang. Spilly can hit. You know, why, why run the risk of Skip's going to get on at a 400% clip, Spilly hits about 375. Why would I run the risk of giving up an out to move him up 90 feet to score one run? And that's the argument. And when I think about, like, in 2001, by the way, 2001 was the best hitting team in the nation. Bronx, were we not the best hitting team in the nation? That team was a phenomenal offensive team. To think you'd have to bunt with that team at
2: all is shocking.
1: It's shocking, but the idea of, taking the first run to win a ball game. Yeah. That means more than a player's batting average. That means more. And it shows the, the cohesiveness of an entire unit because you have somebody that might be a really good hitter that might set a a hitting streak record. That is willing to sacrifice his at bat to move a guy 90 feet to do what? To win. To increase my odds of winning. And when I think about that stat and when I think about the bunt and when I look at it in 2020 and the fact that people have gone away from that, to me it's been a crime against our game, right? Like we have taken away the idea that an entire unit's entire identity should be to win a ball game. It shouldn't be to take five at-bats and try to hit – get five hits. It should be I'm going to sacrifice myself – Based on the big guy making that choice, because he knows this is going to increase our chance of winning, might not increase my chance of getting my batting average to where I want it, might decrease my chance of, of keeping a hitting streak going for 35 games, because that's what it did. I mean, think about that. I had 11 sacrifice bunts during well, the, thir- the 12 sacrifice bunts during the 35 game hit streak.
0: That's, think impressive. About
1: that. <laughs> and, that's impressive.
2: And you batted ninth in half those games. So you had less at-bats. Less Less at-bats. Now, the fact that that team raked and scored a lot of runs helped. But, yeah, no, I was going to make that point how really,
1: really incredible that hit streak was because of that very reason. No doubt about it. But, Bronson, I want to point this part out to you. There were several games, several games that during that streak where I hit for 35 straight games where players on the team knew I bunted somebody over in the first or first inning and was losing in a bat. And I remember like a Dave Molitor, Mike Koolbaugh. Like I, I remember guys on the team going, Hey, we got to get Spilly one more bat. We got to get Spilly one more bat. Why? Because they knew I had a hit streak going and they knew I sacrificed myself for the group to win and then once we got in front, they were like, "Hey, we have to get him another at bat." And guys, in the eighth inning, we're beating—we're beating the—we're beating, the, beating the tar out of uh, out of Cal State Fullerton, right? Like, it's seventeen to five. It's the eighth inning. Guys should be like checking out, saying hi to their girlfriend in the stands. Hell no! Skip Schumacher's taking a walk. He's—he's he's, like they're blowing somebody up to make sure a double play doesn't happen. Because they understood the group, the group identity was to win first, and then if there's an opportunity to make sure that I gave you an opportunity to get yours, go get it, yeah. go get it, and like it's funny to think that in a year of 2001, where you set a sacrifice bunt record, you set all these different records, right? Schumacher hits 400. Tyler Von Schell hits a home run record. You have all these hit records, but why? Because you had an entire group playing for each other. What a strange concept, right? A team sport where everybody plays for each other? Like, think about that. And it it wouldn't have happened had you not had a skipper at the front of it that understood that these things were important.
2: Well, that's nice of you, and I'd also say that we had a lineup that was absolutely loaded as good a lineup and and guys on the bench as well. There were guys on the bench, you know, when you were batting second, Kolbach was on the bench. There's a guy that started his career at university of Texas and he was riding the bench against lefties, you know, Capanella and Stringham started the year, not in the lineup. And he ended up hitting, you know, 13, 15 home runs, whatever it was. And, you know, so there was a lot of things. Jeff Carter and you know Walker and and Walker and, who were switching spots, and then Donnie kind of took that spot. So I mean, a lot of good players. It's just a, it was a great team. It was an easy team to coach. Uh, and I say this about Spilly and his bunning. Not only was bunning, but he also we're talking hitting the balls to the right side of the diamond when Skip was on second. So I. With that in mind, I know we've elaborated along on on your first statement here, but I would really say I was kind of thinking about this going into this interview about about Ryan, and just kind of thinking over my thirty years, twenty-eight years of coaching at you, twenty-eight years of coaching at UCSB, and I would say there's really two guys that come into my mind, and there's hey, listen, we had a lot of great players. I'm talking, I mean, a lot of great players. But if you'd ask me who were the, the most complete players that I coached at UCSB, the two guys that really come to my mind that, that do it all, and I'm talking about they could run, they could hit, they could hit the ball out of the park, they could play defense, uh, they could throw, um, and they could skill the ball. They could give you team at-bats. Uh, like a like a six tool someone who was a team at bat guy as well and you know, that's that would be bill Gavett and ryan Spielberg. So those are two guys that come to mind as the two guys i would say were could do everything on on the field we had a lot of guys that had four or five tools uh but that six tool uh you know, Gaibo you know, didn't make the big leagues like Ryan did, but uh, he didn't have your power. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, we'll get we'll get but, to the power. We'll yeah, get but the that power was, those,
2: those are two guys. I'd say if you look over time, not, I could be missing somebody. I'm not that smart, you know. So, uh, but those are the two names that I would throw. Adding that sixth tool into the game.
1: I appreciate that. You know what? So, I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm gonna I'm gonna side rail you for a second. It's it's funny when you when you think about a career in hindsight, right? I grew up in Santa Barbara. I went to UCSB camps as, like, a 12-year-old. Bratz knew me when I was, like, I was a teenager. Uh, I was going to his camps. Uh, funny that I ended up working his camps, too. I worked both UCSB and Westmont's camps, and they were fantastic. Uh, and, like... As a as a ball player growing up in a in a sleepy town, a sleepy beach town, right? Where um, you know baseball is is like we have we have unbelievable baseball history. You want to dig into Santa Barbara baseball history? Dig into the Meyer Leagues that were there, dig into the Foresters, dig into the Gauchos, dig into the Santa Barbara High, Eddie Matthews, Hall of Famer, um, Jesse Roscoe throws his glove up to the sky, 1986. Uh, New York Mets, um, guys like Dylan Axelrod, guys like Virgil Vasquez, who played at UCSB, made it to the big leagues. Uh, I mean, like there there is a a group of players that from Siena Santa Barbara that you're like, wait, that guy came from Santa Barbara. Ron Shelton, who wrote the movie. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Pretty famous movie. I'll give you a hint. I know, I'll
0: let, let,
1: let you, yeah, yeah, give, give me the hand. let's see if I can do it. Kevin, Cost, Kevin Costner was in it. I
0: mean, is it Bull Durham?
1: Bull Durham. Ron Sheldon's from Santa Barbara, went to Santa Barbara High. Um, you know, like Charles Schwab, by the way, went to Santa Barbara High. Chuck. You know, <laughs> you know like when you think about Santa Barbara, you think about a sleepy you know, like a sleepy surf town, it's into wine. Oprah might live there the The Pitts might live there, or used to live there. Rincon, man, Rincon. But you don't think about its impact on baseball. Santa Barbara has a pretty significant impact on baseball and and growing up in this in the city, I remember when Bronx came to my house and I'm looking at different um, different opportunities to go elsewhere for college, Pepperdine. Wake Forest, Wichita State. Um, I really wanted to go to UCLA, really did. Uh, like I, I had, I had some friends that were going to UCLA. They were going there for school. I was like, I should go to UCLA too. I'm pretty good at baseball. UCLA was like, hey, uh, Coach Savage, hey Spilly, you can, you can walk on. I'm not walking on. Are you kidding me? You know, like I was looking at myself, and I needed somebody to buy into me, and Bronx did. Bronze and Tom Myers back in the day, they're like, "We can see you being here and playing." Well, the first year, and Bronz will tell you, my first year at, at UCSB was not that good. I got redshirted, and I got redshirted because I deserved it. Um, wasn't a hammy bone. I didn't get broken. I like my very first year at UCSB was I, I just wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. Um, I wasn't mentally ready. I wasn't physically prepared. Uh, I use this all the time when I go and talk to high school kids. I'll say the same thing. I go to high school colleges. I, I speak all the time on this thing. And you know, like I leave Santa Barbara High with literally every record you could possibly want from a from a high school kid. Uh, I broke all these records at Santa Barbara High. I was a good player, um, but I wasn't focused. I wasn't strong enough. You know, like I I'll still remember. Um, i'm getting the i'm getting the bat blown out of my hand i've never seen a 90 mile an hour fastball um, i'm seeing 90 mile an hour every day at ucsb my my freshman year and it it is literally blowing the bat out of my hands it took me and bronze will tell you it took me three years to weigh 188 pounds like my if you met my parents my mom, who passed away, she was 115 pounds. My dad, if you meet my dad right now, he still lives in Santa Barbara. He might be 115 pounds. He's tiny. So for me to put on weight, took Tom Myers. It took, it took uh, Brian Allen. Right? Like I'm trying to think of the people that were up, part of the coaching staff. It took it. T- it took all these different people to like force me to work harder. And, like, that's a novel concept, right? When things have been given to you over a course of time or you just happen to overwhelm people based in your skill set, based on your pool, you're the big fish in a small pond. Well, what happens when that pond gets bigger? You know, like, who's going to push you? Who's going to be the guy that tells it to you straight? Like, that's the one thing I want more than anything. Tell it to me straight. Hey, doc, tell it to me straight. Am I going to live it or am I going to die? Um, you're going to be fine. You just got to work harder. That was bronze. I remember being in the, in, in that walker room as a redshirt freshman. Uh Andy Campanella makes the team, pisses me off because that's one of my best friends. I'm like, what? Campy makes it. Campy was ready. Campy was a man. And Campy had biceps. I, I, I was not ready for any aspect of college baseball as a freshman. And I needed to get my butt kicked. I needed somebody to not just be a father figure, but to be somebody that's known me since twelve to give it to me straight. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I got told from from Bronx, you gotta work harder. I got I, I had the opportunity of having a guy and and I'm sure Bronze probably still thinks about this guy, Brad Wright. Oh yeah. Brad Wright is when when I think of humility or if I think of mentorship, if I think of um, you know, paying it forward, Brad Wright played professional baseball. Brad Wright lives in Denver. I, I talk about Brad as like if I didn't have Brad Wright, literally we're not talking right now. Bronson and I are not talking. You know, like I would have been one of those things like, Oh yeah, Spilly was had this skill set, but he didn't work hard or he didn't do this. Brad Wright pulled me under his wing. Here's a fifth-year senior who's the best player on the team in, in 1998, okay? Fifth-year senior, old guy. He's already balding uh, in his last year in college, right? Like, he's great. Um, and if you look at my number, my number in college, I was number four my very first year. I ended up taking 24. Do you know who, what number 24 was? I'll give you a guess. I'm going to say it's Brad Wright. It was Brad Wright. I wore number 24 because of Brad. And this is the story of why. He saw me picking up trash. And Bronx knows my family. Bronx knows me. I was, a, I was a guy that picked up balls when you weren't watching. And I picked up trash when you weren't watching. I might not have worked hard because I was kind of a goober in, in certain things. But there's aspects about, you know, I'm like the last one to rake the field. I'm sure Bronx will tell you. I had this strange work ethic. I might be goofy. I might think, take things, like, not so serious. But when you weren't paying attention, you're like, holy crap, he just picked up all that stuff. He just cleaned that entire field. Why? I don't get it. Like, a little bit of a, of a, of a I guess, a paradigm for, for some people. So, Brad Wright saw it, and he was like, Spilly, I know you want to play center field. I'm going to teach you how to play right field. Right field at UCSB is a sun field. It's a Brutal. nightmare for an outfielder. Brutal. Bronze, how many right fielders have you had that played right field well?
2: Well, not as as well as you, that's for sure. Uh, It has to be your best guy, which is ultimately why you were out there. And Brad, same thing. He was a left fielder, but he could handle the sun, and he did it. So that's why we moved him out there.
1: So Brad saw that. He recognized. He said, here's a kid that's picking up baseballs. How do I help this guy? I got to teach him to play right field that's his in he can't i literally can't hit i'm 170 pounds i'm getting the hand i'm getting the bat blown out of my hands but with 88 he's like i have to teach him how to play right field brad wright bought me a pair of oakley's remember the oakley rep would come to UCSB. Yeah. yeah brad wright bought me a pair he brought me the 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 thickest shade like, I could look at a, in a solar eclipse with these Oakleys, right? Like, I could I could stare into the sun and be fine. Uh, and so he bought me these Oakleys, and he was like, I'm going to teach you how to play right field. And here's a fifth-year senior with an 18-year-old kid that's getting redshirted, who's getting his ass kicked, who is, who is picking up balls late, raking the field late, a little goofy, but he saw something. And Brad invested himself in me. Yeah. And Brad put enough equity into me that it made me the player that bronze ended up having for a bunch of years. Um, and I That's a great always, story. Was, yeah. Was, and that,
2: the was, value of having uh, an older player and that's not, you're not going to find that even though that's the role of an older player, you don't always find that in older players in college. Those are guys that are a little bit more selfish, a little bit, I got to get mine. I got to get out of here. But you know, Brad, uh, great guy on and off the field. Um, and to have that type of leadership team needs that. And, and that's, that's just a great story. It doesn't surprise me. I saw it happening and uh, and kudos to Brad, no doubt. Well,
0: yeah, well I see it going both ways. I, I can see a guy being a veteran and, and wanting to get his own and, getting his stats and getting drafted and moving on. But I also see and I've have been around guys that are veterans that understand the concept of the team and what it takes and seeing themselves as a freshman who's weak or doesn't get it or is struggling and taking them under their wing. Like, I've seen that. I've seen that on, on the good teams recently. And, you know, it, it takes that to have a good yeah. team. And Guys
2: got a good eye. Yeah. Yeah, he, he Spilly's right in in regards to. I mean, that's. It didn't take that good a, good an eye to see that Spilly was a hard worker and that he'll do extras. I mean, I I still envision him across the street from my house, right here, working in my neighbor's yard, digging up stuff in the front yard and and working. I don't know if that was through a church membership or a friendship or what, or if you were getting paid. But you're talking about hard, just. Pulling out dirt and working in the yard, and I mean this guy is a worker, and uh, so I, I, that's what Brad
1: saw, and and uh, and thank God he did. Thank God he did. That that I I've I've said this so many times, and I don't think it, it I don't think it falls on deaf ears. I think people hear it, but they don't understand it. The ability to pay something forward, the ability to find somebody to say like i'm gonna invest in you right like that's a pretty big commitment to somebody and most people aren't willing to do that Um, most people aren't willing to say like all right i see i see something in that person and i know how i can help them get better but most of the time we don't want to do that because helping somebody get better could be a waste of time most of the time it is. Most of the time, if I invest in you and you fail, and it's failing to what point? You know, like I, I I've asked this to to people before. I go, hey, what do you consider success? Like, is is success? Do you have to be? Do you have to make the major leagues? You made it to professional baseball? It's really damn cool. Making it to professional baseball, like you're you're in the percentiles. You're not you're not in the ninetieth percentile. You're like in the four or five like 4 or 5% of the players that ever put on a, a uniform end up getting professional baseball. That's an accomplishment. So so is it or is it a failure if you don't get to the big leagues? I don't think so. I never thought that. So if I can invest in you and I can help you have your best year but you don't make it to the big leagues, is that a is that a waste of time? No. But most in, in general sharing knowledge Putting that extra time into somebody else takes you away from from family members. I get that. Now that I'm married with two kids, I get it. I don't like. I, I'm really cautious with my time. I don't give it away to anybody. I'm like, if I'm buying into you, you better buy back into me. But I'm telling you, like, there is enough, and there's enough knowledge that you can pass forward. I saw it in Japan. I've seen it in the professional ranks. I've seen it in college. I've experienced it firsthand. I've passed it forward. If you're willing to invest in somebody else, it is amazing how much farther somebody else can go because of that. And it could be something simple. It could be something like the simplest things. I talked to I talked to a hitter one time and I was like, hey, I got the simplest thing for you as a hitter. You want to hit the ball to right field? Focus on the right side of the rubber don't try to hit to the second baseman don't try to hit to the right fielder just focus on the right side of the rubber and that year this guy ended up hitting the best he's ever hit moved every runner over and he was like why would you what like if you didn't give me that bit of advice i wouldn't have gone to double a i wouldn't have gone to triple a i actually wouldn't have gone to the big leagues i'm like are you serious I was like, I learned that from Mike Gallego. Mike Gallego is a third base coach with the with, with the Rockies. He gave me that bit of advice and it actually helped me a, a ton. And so it's like just these little bits of information that you can pay forward. And if you're willing to do it, it actually works itself out where your your investment in somebody is worth something. Most of the time we want something to see it, right? Like I want, I want something physical. Well, what happens if you don't get it? In baseball, you might and Brons knows this. How many times have you given the, the best bit of advice to some player, and like <laughs> they're retired the next year?
2: Listen, so I, you're talking about you're talking about all the rewards you get from coaching. I mean, you you do all those things to get someone someone get better. That the the, 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 hey, the ultimate goal is to make it the big leagues, but the immediate goal is to get better that day or, or in some area, and uh, that's really what the, the joy of coaching is, is to see somebody – I mean, it's great to see – I mean, you make the big lay I and mean, that's the ultimate wow, but anything that you could tell somebody and you see improvement on is a joy coaching. And then I thought I saw somewhere on the line that you're doing some coaching now, are you not?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with the Colorado School of Mines. I get I I get asked this a couple of times. It's not mimes. <laughs> like they're not stuck in a box. Mines. They're in the mines. They're going to be future petroleum oil guys. They're going to be they're going to be working with oil and gas. Okay. And 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 bronze Like you'll you'll get a kick out of this. I. So so this year I I was I called Robbie Bales who is the coach of the Colorado School of Mines and Robbie and I we go back we ha- we have mutual friends um both from playing against each other and he's a, he's a Colorado guy and Robbie was at a Kyle Freeland uh baseball camp and if you don't know Kyle Freeland he's a Denver um, Denver-born kid, he played for the Colorado Rockies. He's 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 he's, he's well into his career, and uh, he's a he's a stud. Uh, three two years ago, he ended up fourth in Cy Young. Last year, took a massive step backwards. I'm 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 hoping that he he goes forward this year. Um, but baseball's hard. Um, and so my son has always looked at Kyle Freeland in different eyes. Right, he grew up in Denver. So Kyle Freeland as a Denver kid pitching for the Rockies is, is kind of a hero for a lot of kids in Denver. And what's amazing about Kyle is even though he took this massive step back, he always gave to the communities. He, he always was like Kyle Freeland baseball camp, Kyle Freeland, this, um, not to make money on anything, but just to give back. Like there are all these free camps. And so I go to this camp in Kyle Freeland's, you know, names attached to it and I see Robbie bales and I go Robbie I have an itch to pay some of the knowledge I have because as a broadcaster and, and Bronx you get this there's only so much information you can give in a broadcast but it's not transferring to the guys that you want to hear it right like you're you're talking to the parents you're talking to Nana <laughs> you know you're, you're talking to like my you're like like the players girlfriend which is fine you know hopefully like she picks up on something it was like a knee to me keep that front shoulder in keep it keep it simple stupid right like all these little things that we talk about on a broadcasting and kevin you get it too sometimes you just want to get to the player sometimes you just want to go to the source and go like here it is i can help you like what i talked about with brad wright I can invest in you and so that's that I I looked at Robbie Bales and after five years in broadcasting I have this itch I have this knowledge I've gone through so much stuff in baseball some some good some bad you know like you you want to talk about experiences we can talk about experiences I've you know I've been a, a prospect I've been a suspect I've been good I've been bad I've made money, I've lost money, you know, like all these different things, you know, like on and off the field. I, I've I've gone through negative, I've gone through positive. I've I've been at the highest point, I've been at the lowest point. I can I can level with you. You want to level, it's level. Um how do I pay that thing forward? I can't pay it forward on a broadcast as much as I try. I have to find a player or players to pay it forward too and that's what I told Robbie I said I need to pay this thing forward I have this information I need to give it to somebody and so that's how it started and it's been such a rewarding thing I didn't think coaching would be as rewarding as it as it has been um, I'm not fully invested in it because I only have so much time but I can understand for the amount of years that you've done this job Bob where you can like it's a rewarding job, like educating, you know, like being an educator is a rewarding endeavor. It's, it's an endeavor. Like people don't give enough credit to people that are in the education industry. Like we don't thank our teachers enough uh, for the, the amount of selfless work and paying it forward. And I found that calling this year. It was super fun. I'm excited to see where it, where it goes from here. Um, I don't think it's a career for me, but if it does end up being a career for me, I'm I'm all for it. But pain, pain, knowledge that you've, that you've accumulated over years, it's got to go somewhere. So are you then,
2: are you looking to potentially parlay this into getting into a big league
1: dugout? Uh, good question. I've thought about that a, a couple times. Um, Maybe Skip can hire you. <laughs>
0: there you go
1: well, i still don't know what he is Can someone, he, he, someone yeah, explain an what an assistant manager is like what is he's that him. guy he's
2: an assistant he's manager head
1: coach they
2: made up some whatever the manager <laughs> they i've never heard of that title when he was on the on the podcast before he goes yeah i'm the his title and i went that's like you're like the go ahead and get kicked out i'll take over from here
1: yeah i like your i guess you're you're praying that chase tingler gets Thrown <laughs> out of a game every single day, but then you really don't want him to get tossed out because then you're put in that spot. I don't know. Like, yeah, it, was, it was definitely a different
0: title, but uh, associate manager.
2: Yeah, associate yeah. manager. So he he's got he's I think he's really good as you as you know, and I think if he wants, he'll be a manager
1: some point. So. Just saying he's, there's, he, he's going to be a manager at some point. Yeah. I mean, like, he's good. Sk- skips, give me be skips. Great. And, and that's, yeah. When, when I think about managers or I think about coaches, how do you level on all the, all various spots, right? How, how can you how can you talk to the best player on the team? How can you talk to the, the worst player on the team? And that, like, and I don't mean worst player on the team. Like that's a disparaging comments. Like right. I want you to get better. So how do I make you better? Um, if you could talk to every single le- one of those levels, then you're in a good spot. Communication is probably the most important aspect of coaching. Uh, in, in my opinion, you, you can tell me otherwise. No. If you can level on somebody, if you can be truthful, if you can tell them, listen, Kevin, in order to get better at this thing, you have to do this. And this is why. Thank you. Yeah. Versus going like, eh you know what? Like Kevin, you're pretty good right now. This guy's better than you. I didn't give you a reason on, on how to make yourself better. I didn't give you anything like you're like, well, what does that mean? And and like, you'll hear this all the time. Like level with me, talk to me like I'm a human. Um, don't sugarcoat things. That's like the best way to go about doing things. I don't know if, if, Volunteer assisting coaching at Colorado School of Mines turns into a major league job. That's not what I'm looking for. I think the entire time I was just looking to get some of this stuff off my chest. You know, it was like teaching somebody how to do a drop step, um, giving back what Brad Wright gave to me. If I can teach you how to field a fly ball in the, in the sun. You know, be a little bit better with an angle <laughs> if I could buy a yeah. pair of Oakley's. But it, I mean, might
2: like, not be, it might not be the Colorado School of Mines that gets you there. It's the knowledge that your type of personality, your type of knowledge, your type of energy could parla- could could translate well to the dugout. So that's really where that comes from. Oh, I didn't know you're interested in that. God, you would be perfect because we have, we need this type of energy. We need this type of guy, and that is you. That's kind of for me how you got into the into the booth. Is you had to have been a fan favorite in Colorado. You had to have been the guy that played his tail off, who hustled, was an overachiever in their eyes, uh, wasn't an everyday player uh, uh, for very long. Um, and that you were the guy that they clung to, and the way you played was what they loved. And so to see – and then throwing the goofball side of you, spill the beans and all that type of stuff in the mix, you're you're a natural for being in front of the camera. So that same type of thing could parlay you into the dugout because of who you are. Where you've gotten has a lot to do with your talent, but it also has probably 80% – to do with who you are, what your makeup is, and that's what could get you into the the dugout, not the Colorado School of Mines. That's just the place where you teed off.
1: Yeah, that's where I worked on my swing. That's where I stayed inside out. That's where I hit the ball opposite field and was like, "Hey, let's do a fungo drill." You, uh, you know, like I'm not sure if people can see in the background. Uh, like this is a Zoom meeting for the three of us. Yeah. So. In the background, and it's funny that Brons brought up a, a couple of things that he said. So, in the background, you can see it, Kevin, over my right shoulder. I think it's this one. Um, you see a number three blue jersey. I do. Okay, so that jersey means a lot to me.
0: I was going to ask about those jerseys.
1: All right, so uh, I'm actually glad that you brought. It, uh, well, you didn't bring it up, but I, but I, but I you to it. So that jersey is a Westside Boys and Girls Club, Santa Barbara, um, Santa Barbara Westside Boys and Girls Club uh, T-ball jersey, and that jersey is the reason why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I I think about like a lot of things of what Santa Barbara means to me. Um, you know, my parents met each other at at a college in Santa Barbara. My mom was an immigrant from Guatemala. And my dad was an immigrant from Belgium. That's where spillborgs comes from. It's a Belgian last name. And that Jersey was not because a dad signed me up for baseball. It was because my mom, my mom had Fernando mania. Yeah. My mom was from Everyone Guatemala, is. you know, like, so, so here's a Mexican born player in Fernando back in 1981 when he first like came to the scene and he had all these complete games and you can look it up. You're probably not even a thought yet. Uh, Bronx was probably like, France was probably pretty sweet at this time in 1981. Probably had a mustache, uh, and so, so in 1986, my mom signs me up for for t-ball. I've never played t-ball before. My dad was was like a soccer guy. He didn't know baseball, and so my mom is the one that signed me up for baseball because of Fernando Mania. And the very first team I ever played for was the Westside Boys and Girls Club Dodgers. That Dodger jersey, if I turn it, flip it over, it just says Westside Boys and Girls Club Dodgers. It's not like it has a Dodgers emblem across the front. There's nothing to it. There's like literally nothing. Uh, On the back, it's the number three. And the number three, you probably can't see it on Zoom because my high def is not very well. Um, But there's a giant hole in the middle of the three. And that giant hole is probably from moths. Um, But that three for the player during that time frame was Steve Sachs. Steve Sachs came to Santa Barbara, and, Bronx, you might remember this. Santa Barbara High School used to have the Dodgers caravan. It would come through Santa Barbara High. And Tommy Lasorda would be there, and he'd bring a bunch of players. Well, Steve Sachs came to this thing. He came to Santa Barbara High. And this was like a year or two after i just played T-Ball. So, I'm crazy for Steve Sachs because I don't know any better. I have a Dodgers jersey, number three. Number three, Steve Sachs. So, might as well collect this guy's baseball card. Baseball cards were cool back in the day. So, here.
0: Hey, they, I, I collected baseball cards. All right. In the, in the early, late 2000s. All right. So, Saxy rolls
1: into Santa Barbara High. And I get a chance, you know, as one of the 150 kids that's at Santa Barbara Santa Barbara High, we're meeting Lasorda, maybe, I think I'm meeting Alfredo Griffin, Mike Devereaux might be there. And here's Saxy, and I get to shake his hand. Well, the thing about meeting Steve Saxe, how tall do you think Steve Saxe is? I couldn't tell you. I, I'll tell you, at my age, I thought he was seven foot. <laughs> he was five foot eight. Five foot eight. You know how tall my dad is? He's 5'8. So I meet this Major League Baseball player. He's a little bit bigger. I told you my dad was about 120 pounds. Saxy's five foot eight. He's my dad's height. It connected the dots for me. It made me think, I was like, I have a shot. If that guy's five foot eight, he's not seven foot. I have a shot to play this game. If you can make baseball human if you can make baseball feel achievable, more people play it. I like my dream became a reality to me when I was seven years old. I was like, if that dude could play baseball for the Dodgers, no offense to Steve Sachs. He was a rookie of the year. I could play baseball. My dad's five, eight. I ended up being six foot. Um, I'm a monster in my family, <laughs> but that Jersey Signifies a dream, a dream that was achievable, and not achievable because I had some crazy skill set. It was just because I was able to connect the dots. That's um,
2: it. It also looks the same size as the jersey you wore your freshman year.
0: <laughs> 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 I don't have a or jersey over here. I wish I did. You need, you, you need one. I could probably find one for you. Be the you the jersey you- over your the jersey was- over your left shoulder though. I imagine that one's from October. That one is a
1: 2007 World Series jersey. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty incredible. Um, you know, like it it is really strange seeing a jersey, and I and I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I, I'm not not meaning it to be braggy at all, um, but it is it is really weird to see your name stitched on the back of a major league jersey. I believe it.
2: Gotta be a pretty
0: big deal, I would think. Dream come true.
1: Yeah, it's strange. It's strange when you look at it in hindsight, and then it's weird when you see a patch on it where it's like World Series. You know, like the it like it's hard to describe. Brontz, I mean, I, you and I we've we've been around each other a long, a long time. Like, I mean, these things are weird. They're, it's weird to see something like this in hindsight. Like, I never pictured this ever happening. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure you never did.
2: Hey, listen, you never know, but it's it's got to be the dream of all dreams. Uh, all three of the guys here that we have spoken to uh, all beat, have me to it, Bob. in the World Series. Uh, Skip, uh, Ryan, and Mike, and uh, it's an incredible it's an incredible thing to sit there and watch a World Series. And then Ryan's got a different story because Ryan, I've known Ryan when he was little. I mean, Mike and, and Skip, I didn't know till they were older. But I know I've known Ryan for a long time. And to see that guy on my TV playing center field in a World Series, you just it, – it's just – you go, are you kidding me? It's, yeah it's 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 an incredible thing and as a parent you can you can I can only imagine your I mean your dad didn't know baseball when your mom signed you up but your dad is the biggest fan in the history oh, yeah. of you so what what your parents were feeling when you made it I just can't even imagine how incredibly great that is
1: yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I've had I've had conversations with people over the last couple of years, especially like so. My mom passed away in two thousand nine, um, so she was fortunate enough to see me like be in the World Series in two thousand seven. Um, it's funny, like I I talk about baseball cards, right? I'm talking about Steve Sacks. If you ever if you if you ever heard me speak in public, I say the same thing almost all the time. Again, I wish I wish about the back of the baseball card versus saying stats versus saying you know, I hit 272 in my career or I hit this number during this year. I wish it showed the list of names that helped me along the way. That would be cooler. That would mean a lot more to me. You know, it, it, it would mean a lot to be able to show like Fred Walker, George Remp, Tom Myers, Bob Bronsma, um, you know, oh, Ron Gideon, it. right? Like it would be really fun to have the list and names of people that had helped you along right, the way, right? Larry Thomas, AOK okay Motors, by the way, he's in, he's in Santa Barbara. Yes. Um, DJ Guestwine, the Guestwine family, right? Like, these are people that helped me along the way. I, I wouldn't be here without the Guestwines or the Thomases or the Bronzimas or the Ramps or the Workers or all these people, right? The Elliots. Uh, like, like, I could go, like, a, a list of everybody I can think of that impacted me. That would be a better – um representation of my back the back of my my baseball card. And I think a lot of players if if you were to say like do you want to have your stats or you want to you want to do a list of people I think in this day and age in 2020 most people would go like I want a list of people that that helped me along the way.
2: Yeah, well your stats are pretty good so I don't know if you, <coughs> you
1: know, I so want to highlight one of those years and be like hey hold on. There. Yeah, make sure people look at that one. Yeah. Uh but in general like it's funny because a baseball player in compared to, in comparison to under other sports right basketball i can go in the backyard and shoot hoops football i might be physical baseball takes a it takes a village for a, for a baseball player to come about and bob you get this with your son playing you know like Playing baseball it requires multiple people. It, it requires like batting practice and so many hidden fungos it, re, it requires a team it requires 150 games in a season it, it requires like a lot. It's not just shooting it's not just throwing a football it's it's far more than it's far more than, than, than just like an athletic like the athletic ability. So when you get a chance to see a player in in the World Series, which is so hard, I thought like I make it to the World Series, my team makes it to the World Series. in The first year of my first full season in the big leagues, I'm like I'm going to go every single year. <laughs> Yogi Berra, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to go every single damn year. This is easy. Like I went everywhere. I went everywhere I go. I went everywhere. Never made it back. Playoff one more time. Never saw it. Making it to the World Series, impossible. 30 teams, not easy. 162 games, you got to allow people through, through, through that marathon. You got to go through, through that. Are you kidding me? By the way, the Dodgers going three straight years to the World Series, incredible. Mm-hmm. Not winning one, that sucks. <laughs>
0: so how, about, how about a college season? Because you got all these teams and you played 56 games, you got to go through regional, you got to go through super regional. Sometimes you might have to hit a walk-off grand slam to get there. But you were there in 2016. I remember you jumped on with me and Jerry. I don't know <laughs> if you remember it or not, but you were there. So you had, that was another experience of being in the World Series and being there representing the Gauchos. Man,
1: that 2016 uh, World Series run from the Gauchos is, could be like one of my favorite moments ever. Um, because it it was out of my hands i'm used to i'm used to being in your spot i'm used to calling a game and and not fully being entrenched in being a fan being a fan is is crazy i experience all the emotions without having the calm you know like as broadcaster we have to be calm you have to, you're like, you're looking at the next thing. You're, not, you're looking at the next bat. Your brain's not allowing you to live in the moment. As a player, same type of thing. You're thinking about the next play, the next bat. You know, what do I have to do? You're focused on one thing. As a manager, you're like, you're three or four bats ahead of the game. Do I need to warm somebody up? What's the score? What any am I have? What's the pitch count? There's, you, you can't be in the moment as a fan. Holy crap! You're in the moment. You are listening. You're talking trash to Miami. You are with the Gauchos. You're with the Hammerheads. You're thinking of you're. you're we're living and dying by pitches. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We're not. I'm not looking past the next pitch. I'm looking at this one. That was so much fun. Um, seeing the the blue and gold representing Shane Bieber pitching the guys on that group. Um, knowing what Check its had done to get that that team to that spot, knowing what had to had to been accomplished to get there, uh, knowing how far our program, like Check It's program wasn't at that spot without Bronsma, wasn't at that spot without Al ferrer Uh you're not like it's been passed forward time after time, right? From Brad Wright to me, and then from me to the next guy, and the next guy to the next guy, and like all those little aspects of hopefully the tradition of being a gaucho mattered to the next group. And, and obviously it did, um, seeing that play out and then to experience it as a fan, as a fan, like what my parents felt like I'm on the roller coaster. I, I, I have zero control. Um, it's
2: stressful um, in the stands.
1: It is stressful. Yeah,
2: I used to say that. <laughs> the, 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 the closer you are to the field, the easier – I mean, it's it's not stressful as, as a player. It becomes, no. stress, it becomes stressful in the dugout, and it becomes even more stressful in the stands. Like, the further away you get from the field, the more stressful it comes. Also, the further away you get from the field also, unfortunately, the, the, the play looks a lot easier the further you get away. Right closer you get to it the harder it is so it's kind of a reverse uh spectrum there but uh yeah it's, it's crazy to sit in the stands and you hit that on the nail and hand the head out how, how you just changed changed your perspective completely because you have no control
1: zero okay. i and, and so it, honestly it's the last time it's the last time other than like my son's baseball game or my daughter's baseball game um not to this high of a level. I mean, like, you're, in a, you're, in a, you're at the College World Series. They're in Ameritrade Field. They're in, they're in Omaha. They're, like, that's a big deal. And, like, the weight of that, like, is like you can feel it as a fan. I, I feel it with my son. I feel it with my daughter. I'm watching this, this thing as, like, a, as a spectator. I'm trying not to, like, impart anything on them. But I'm watching it, like, emotional. If I'm coaching, I'm not emotional. If I'm playing, not emotional at all. It's a fan, it makes me like makes me want to cuss, makes me want to go like it makes makes me feel all <laughs> these different things that I didn't realize were inside me. And so, when I think about 2016, going to Omaha, Chomaha, um, being with, with with guys that have played before you know like high-fiving each other is like guy from a 1984 team 85 team 1991 94 um, see Dave Willis there you know Willis was one of my favorite uh, former gauchos seeing like I, I, I it, it's really hard to describe the feeling you have when you know that your program something that you have put blood sweat and tears into has reached another level There's, like, a pride of that. Like, to describe the pride of watching that team compete with no control goes down as probably, like, as a spectator, one of my greatest feelings I've ever had. Easily. Easily. So, on
2: the field, however, would you have to say that your Grand Slam was – I mean, it's one of the greatest moments in Rocky history. That has to be your greatest – Baseball moment, I would think, right?
1: That, you, you, okay, so this is an interesting conversation because most people assume that um, my greatest baseball moment ever on a baseball field was watching Todd Helton hit a walk-off home run off Tokoshi Saito in 2007. It, it wasn't even my moment, not even my moment. Is my is my favorite baseball memory, um, and it's only because like I respected Todd Helton to this level. Healthy or unhealthy, I don't care. Uh, this guy did everything right, how he prepared, what he'd accomplished. You know, like when I think about watching somebody in a craft, you know, baseball's a craft. It's not a talent. Guys can get – you don't have to be the best player on the field to be the best player. Um, you don't have to have the greatest talent to end up making it into the big leagues. It's a craft. You can get better at it. You know, it's something over time, you can be, you, you can be quick witted, you can be sharp, you could remember a sequence, you could be sure to the baseball, you can do all these little nuanced aspects about our sport, which I think makes it the best sport in, in, in all of the sports. Um, you don't have to be the best to be the best, you don't. Football, you do. Football, it's, it's physical, you know, basketball, like, I'm sorry, you could be a physical specimen in basketball and be successful. You don't have to be that in baseball. There's a guy that's five foot five that wins a batting title. There's a guy that, when was the last time we saw somebody over six foot eight win a batting title? Like, it's not being a specimen. It's it's skill set, it's mental, it's all these different aspects. And so watching somebody take a craft to this other level I've never experienced up until I watched Todd Helton and then seeing somebody that was on a team that was, I mean, the Rockies, Rockies stunk. Rockies stunk for a majority of this guy's career. And he basically never had a supporting cast that were good enough to help him get to the playoffs. And seeing as somebody that's making over a hundred million dollars in a sport, which is crazy <laughs> one of the highest contracts at the time. And, consistently lose consistently get his butt kicked consistently just punched in the face and show up the next day and give you his all at getting paid the most amount of money most guys quit most guys go like i'm out most guys they end up getting really big they don't show up the next year in better shape this guy showed up every single year in better shape and like when you see that and you understand it you're like it blows your mind so his moment is my favorite moment my walk-off homer in the 14th inning means a lot more to me than anybody else And, and Bronx knows this because you know like i i've losing my mother in 2009, the year that, that, that I ended up hitting this walk-off home run was in August of 2009. I, I was upset. I was like screaming, right? Like every single night after a ball game, you know, baseball players, we blow off steam. I'm blowing off steam till like 6am every single night. Uh, I'm not in a good state mentally, right? Like my, newly married i have a i have a wife that's that, that's t- you know like we're, we're about to have a child in july um i'm not in a good place and so um i retracted from being a good teammate in 2009 and that home run when i think about it and if you watch it it's more cathartic than like me being excited about hitting a grand slam i could i like i hate the giants giants like i was so mad when they won the world series We beat their, we beat their butt all the time. Like I was pissed when they won the the world series in 2010. But if you look back and you watch this home run that I hit in 2009, it's not about me telling the giants to get off the field, which I told them to get off the field. Um, it was cathartic. It was like, you know, like screaming at the world. Like why did my mom have to pass away at 58 years old? You know, like it was, it was a bunch of things. And so, um, You know, my favorite moment in baseball is watching Todd Helton hit a homer. My most cathartic moment was sprinting around the
0: bases in 2009. One of my favorite things about baseball is hearing stories like that, where baseball, it transcends things. I mean, it connects you with these significant moments in your life, whether they are positive or negative, but there is a connection. And it's significant, and it's something that you – either work towards or you feel it building maybe you're not aware of it but you know it's building and then it happens and then you you realize it at the moment and you can reflect on it afterwards and doing this podcast and talking with individuals like you two and people that have seen the game from many different perspectives and many different eras from many different schools of thought that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this and continue to dig deep and continue to discover and it's it's like it's amazing. It's a it's a simple thing. It's a complicated thing. I don't I don't really know. Can't really put my finger on a lot of it. It's but, human. but it's human. It's totally human, and I think that's the biggest element that is put forth in this game. It's so humbling, and and so simple at the same time.
1: I appreciate the time. It's, it's actually really fun to catch up with bronze You know, as somebody that's uh, impacted my life like beyond measure. Um, you know, I can always offer up praise to bronze. I, I usually do it every time I, I get a chance. I, I usually throw bronze in there as part of like back at the baseball card or somebody that saw something in me that I didn't. Um, so getting a chance to spend a couple, you know, like about an hour with you guys, uh, especially as a 40 year old, right? Like, that's right. <laughs>
2: I'm Andy. about to, I'm about to watch my, my,
1: like the the entire circles about to start over, <laughs>
2: your son and yeah, the whole thing.
1: It's,
0: uh,
2: I appreciate the kudos. I really do. I've always, I've said, I'm, I'm, I am uncomfortable with it. However, um, you know, you, you talked about the educator, you know, coaches are educators and that type of stuff. I got into the profession because I had a coach that had a huge impact on me. And I thought to myself, boy, if I could have any sort of impact on any player, what a a rewarding, great thing that would be. So where I am uncomfortable with the kudos that you praise on me always, I need you to know that it's incredibly appreciated. It's an incredibly grateful thing that it really means a lot to me, even though it makes me uncomfortable. So, Thank you for that. And
1: uh, <laughs> all right, let's take a let's let's take a broadcaster sidestep. And what's been amazing about our journeys, Bob, is uh, it's funny we're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, for I me, would- talk about you know this kind of gave you the itch to get back on the field and coach. For me, since I can't get on the field and coach this was a way for me thinking of cathartic, is to get out some baseball stuff. So I can sit up there in the stands and spew BS and talk out of my rear end. He's good at it. To, to me, ma and all the other people that were listening, just at least it makes me feel like I'm doing something. Uh, <laughs> so it's cathartic <been>, <laughs> for me in that regards. Cause I can't get there. I don't have the, you know, Colorado Mines isn't calling me asking me to, Work with them, so this is my it's, way.
1: It's a volunteer job, so I'm sure if you volunteered your time, they'll take you for, a long your, time. Long. for your time. Yeah, like uh, it's not like it's uh, it's anything to write, but home yeah,
2: about. it is. It is interesting, and uh, I, it, it, I've heard you, and you're great. You're that the whole I mean, I've been following you for obviously, you know, from the spill to beans. I mean, you've been this personality for a long time, but uh. Uh, it's been fun watching, and I'm glad to hear that you, you were able to take in a few of the Gaucho games as well.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, I love listening, to you guys. It's like it's it's really strange when you start following the circle of baseball. Baseball is is unique in itself, where we're totally connected. Um, I already, I, I, you know, not to name drop, but Vince Scully is one of my favorites. Having a chance to talk to Vin Scully. Uh, especially in his last year, and he said to me, he was like, Ryan, you know, like the amount of time between a person's major league debut in his last game is like that. And as a broadcaster for, you know, for Vince Scully, he did it for 67 years. I'm in my seventh season. I think you are in your sixth. Um, I think you can appreciate that where a player's career will come and go faster than you can experience Uh, it's not what we're in the business for right where i'm not in the business to to watch a guy come and go i'm not experiencing i'm I'm not here for longevity Uh, i want to be day-to-day but the perspective of knowing that the greatest broadcaster we've ever listened to um Is it able to acknowledge how baseball comes in these segments and that a person's major league debut or a person's debut and the final game they ever play is a blink of an
0: eye in terms of time. That's the part that gets me. Yeah. 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 and, And speaking of the circle of life or the circle of baseball, how about the circle of education? And I wanted to, this is what I wanted to lead with, but we went a different path, but I would like to close with it because you finally closed out your degree, Spilly. So you you were, you were talking about paying it forward you're talking about always learning and staying busy and, and trying to give back and you went out and you finished your degree at UCSB and you looked thrilled. All right. So I have two things next to me. Um,
1: in my basement they mean a lot Uh, like the weight of these things are probably about about two pounds Uh, but the actual literal weight is much heavier Um, I started this this journey back in 1998 and this is after Bob Bronson showed up at my household you know as I'm a senior in in high school it's actually my junior year Uh, I signed with Bronson about Christmas time in 1998 and to have this thing about 21 years later.
2: It's a great accomplishment, man. I'm proud of you. I mean, you know, those are the types of things that are big because it is tough. Now you were really close. It wasn't like you came back and took 40 classes. <laughs> no, I was like right there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You were that close the whole time, but nonetheless, you still have to do it. And, and it's really, I mean, when I, you know, you might not remember this, but when we're in your house, we talk about, Hey, we got goals. The first goal is we want you, uh, you get, you an get an, an education. education. That was the first thing you said. Right. I think yeah. you did. Yeah. Second thing, <laughs> we want you to compete for championships. And, you know, so we, you did those and, and but it's the first thing we talk about in the house. So it is awesome. And if I knew what this, uh, are, you know, what those new stats were, they had these are what are the, what are those uh, stats they do now. And they follow graduation rates, uh,
0: Next-gen uh, yeah,
1: next yeah. stats. Yeah, next-gen stats. I don't think that matters. No,
2: no. But anyway, so it, it's just awesome. You know, it, so, it's an awesome deal.
1: So after I got that degree, I immediately framed it because it took 21 years. And my wife, she goes, are you serious? Are you going to frame that thing? I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to frame this thing. Mm-hmm. She goes, "Well, why wouldn't you frame, like, our marriage license? So out of jest, out <laughs> of jest, I busted <laughs> out. My marriage license to my wife, and it's, it's been up for debate on <laughs> what year, what day and what year we got married, and so this thing, this marriage license, out of jest, sits right next to my uh, UCF. She
2: doesn't hear you saying out of jest, Seriously.
1: though. She doesn't hear uh, that. <laughs> no, she, I, I've told it to her, and I've laid it on pretty thick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so anyways, uh, the two most important documents in my household sit in my basement right next to a number three steve sax west side boys and girls club jersey and then a 2007 world series jersey so um, those are the things that matter most to me gauchos matter most to me um seeing you bronze seeing you kevin for the for the last two hours it's been
0: really kind of special for me
2: yeah you need to go to bed <laughs> or i need to go to bed one of the two i don't know what the deal is you, hey, This, they, you this was good. Hours. this is
0: this was good uh, night game the first night game podcast and uh, I think the theme that we can take away from this one is pay it forward I think pay it forward ladies and gentlemen good stuff so uh, thank you Bob and thank you Spilly this was uh, this was a blast That's great alright thank you to our sponsor Kyle's Kitchen and thank you so much to Ryan Spielberg's we recorded that late at night. Uh, he's a busy man, Spilly. He's got radio show. He's getting ready for the MLB season, upcoming MLB season, and he's got a couple kids. So we uh, we did indeed have a night game, and uh, and and that was really fun. So I hope you take away a couple valuable things from that conversation, in particular about baseball history and about paying it forward, and just reflecting on what baseball has meant to you. Uh, whoever is listening out there what baseball has meant to you I think it's important to, to reflect on its impact uh, on a personal level and, uh, and just on a, on a level of fun uh, because we love baseball and how fun it is and we also love how it impacts us off of the diamond so that'll do it for this week not sure what we're going to have next week but we will have a podcast I've got a handful of them lined up uh, just not really sure what order I want to go in so uh, stay tuned and we'll talk to you next week here on the and 9 Podcast